Welcome to episode six of the Entrepreneur Now podcast. I'm your host, Heath Armstrong. Today's guest is Gary Darna from CompleteSet.com. He's built a fantastic platform for collectors and fans to show what you have, find what you need, and buy what you want. Stay tuned. Here we go now. Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? Well then get on with your bad self. From collecting toys to making noise on the World Wide Web, he shared a problem with other collectors, but not anymore. He didn't sit around and mope about it. No, he created CompleteSet.com. All the way from Cincinnati, Ohio, Gary Darna. Gary, you are the entrepreneur now. How are you doing, my friend? Good. How about you? Great. Gary is the co-founder, and basically Complete Set is a treasure map for collectors and fans. And I believe you can get on there and show your collection. Uh, You can find what you need. And you can also essentially buy everything that you want if it's on there. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And I found Gary at a local pitch conference, a place called Awesome Inc., which is pretty exciting. And and he was the winner. And it was by far the best presentation, and it was well-deserved. So congratulations on that, man. Thank you. But before we get into anything and – in depth, I want to go ahead and start the segment off with a section we call the Breezy Threes. It's just so our audience can get to know you a little bit and a little bit about your creative sense. So the first question is, what are your three favorite creative works? Three favorite creative works. Um, anything like design-wise or? Yeah, they can be books, albums, arts, toys, you know, whatever you're into. Um, I mean, I really love the packaging design of the vintage Star Wars toys, which is actually what I collect. Um, that's part of the reason why I think I like it so much. Is it's like that, like the, the yeah. way it used to look. Um, as far as books, my favorite book is probably Count of Monte Cristo. Great one. Uh, yeah, I love that when I, I actually enjoyed reading it when I was in high school. So, uh, you know, that was unusual because most of the books were pretty boring. <laughs> Um, and my favorite album, I'd say, is a brand by a band uh, called Brand New. It's called Deja Intendu. Cool. What kind of music is that? Rock. I've never heard of it. I'll have to. Ch- I'll have to check into that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, who Who are your three biggest role models or influencers? Um, like a lot of entrepreneurs, I'd say Steve Jobs is a big one. Um, you know how he started the whole company and his ability to inspire people to, you know do the impossible essentially. Um, Johnny Earl, who's one of my advisors actually, uh, he's been a mentor to me. He's the co-founder, or not co-founder, but founder of uh, Johnny Cupcakes, which is a collectible clothing brand. Um, and probably George Lucas, because even though he's a movie person, he's also very much an entrepreneur and innovator. Um, I mean, he started 16 different companies. People don't realize that, um, but then you know, sold it for $4 billion to Disney. So I would say that's pretty entrepreneurial. 
Yeah, he, he was nothing less than brilliant. That, that's for sure. Uh, what are the top three items on your bucket list? Hmm. I would say, uh, as far as the uh, company goes, it's one of my top things is like being a successful entrepreneur and actually, you know, being able to make this a career where it's not just like I'm scraping to get by and everything, which is, uh, you know, the process when you're starting up. I would say uh, traveling because I haven't really done that much of that. Um, going to like Europe, places like that. Oh, definitely. Um, and let's see, there's so much stuff. Uh, I would say, as far as like to tie it into like what I'm doing with Complete Set. Most likely uh, getting the vintage Star Wars toys that I don't have. So, uh, you know, the whole shebang, huh? Yeah, like getting, you know, the stuff that's in the packaging, um, which a lot of the stuff I have is loose. So it's it's in good condition, but it's not like the stuff that's $800 for one toy or something. Yeah. Well, Um, when I was a kid, I had this extreme problem with destroying everything that I owned. (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. I, I love Star Wars and I had some action figures and of course they're not in packaging or anything but I went ahead and dug them up so I could show them to you I have okay. no clue if they're worth anything or not they're probably not but uh, I think some of the older ones how about this guy right here yeah that's Han Solo from oh, yeah. Power of the Force I think he's got the gun and everything yeah you see that's from like the 90s when I started collecting them because if you notice like they made him unrealistically muscular. <laughs> like he looks like a bodybuilder or something, you know. And like Han Solo. Yeah, he looks like, like Arnold. Yeah, exactly. And then there's Chew. Yeah, same thing. You see the muscles? Oh yeah. I mean, Chewbacca's big, but come on, and he looks like he has like a fro, <laughs> kind of like uh, just some, I mean, very 1970s looking, even though it was released in the 90s. Yeah, that's that's why they call the dirty hippies the Wooks because of that same haircut <laughs> right there. Exactly. And then and then a, a couple of these guys here. Yeah, the Jawas. And did you know that little thing on the top there? Um, like there's a little on the hood. It's, the light goes in there, then their eyes glow. Oh, really? I never even noticed that. Oh, yeah. You're right. Huh. Cool, man. See, these are the little things that collectors know. <laughs> yeah. That's why I wanted to show them to you. Uh, Useless information. Then, but you know, it's, it's uh, stupid little stuff like this and... and uh, couple of the newer age ones from that recent release yeah but uh cool well what what i thought was particularly interesting at that pitch conference was when you got into why you decided to start complete set um the frustration that you had when you were trying to find the things that you wanted to collect or show your collection off so if you could really dive into that and and explain to the listeners how you got to to starting this company and solving your own problem well, I've been collecting now since 1995. So since then, I've realized that collectors like myself have the same problem, which is finding the things that they want to buy. Essentially, now you have to scour the internet on message boards, social media, auction sites, any of those places where things are for sale. Uh, you have to go and constantly look and see, hey, is someone selling something that I want? So the idea originally uh, came from seeing people post photos of their collection, which typically what they do is they just post a photo of like a giant pile of stuff or, you know, t-shirts stacked up or a wall of sneakers. It really doesn't matter what it is. It's doesn't matter what they're collecting. Uh, They all do the same thing. So I thought, Hey, you know, there has to be a better way to show off what you have because it's kind of the whole point of being a collector, right? You don't just 
put it in a closet for no one to see. Um, but then through talking to people at fan conventions, you know, things like Comic Cons, uh, events like that, we found that people were more interested in finding the things that they don't own. You know, where can they buy that thing that they've been looking for for five years? So that is the problem that we're solving and also the problem that I have. Uh, you know, if you want to find something and you have money to buy it, it's just like a treasure hunt. So that's where the name Treasure Map for Collectors comes from. Oh, yeah. that And that's fantastic, man, because everybody has problems. And if you can go and, and find one of those problems, especially if it's one of your own, and solve it, you know, people will come and, and they will uh, build that community around it. Uh, I, I was looking at the website this morning and, and from a developer's point of view, man, it is a beautiful, beautiful website. I love the design. I love the grid format. Uh, if I were to do it all myself and spend six months trying to figure out the design, I wouldn't have even been able to come up with that layout, which was perfect. And, okay. you know, we've been, I'm, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. We've been looking at, you know, green string and, and we've been developing an app recently and we had it just designed in this list view forever. And then one night I went to sleep and as I was kind of fading out of consciousness, I got that, you know, that why can't I do it in that grid view? And so I went back and we've changed everything and it looks a lot like that, uh, mm. except on a mobile app. And, and I just, I love it. I love the in-your-face grid and it's it's extremely creative and, and colorful and and that's definitely what we love here. So I, I'm all about that, man. Yeah, I mean, and we did that, you know, because it's a popular layout now, but besides that, it really allows you to show, like, visually look at something and decide, hey, do I have that or do I want that? Uh, when it's in a list, although that's useful if you have a, like a really massive collection, um, it just takes more time. You know, you can't just look at something and click a check mark and say that you have it. So uh, that's why we decided to go with that type of layout. Yeah, and it's it's extremely simple and clean. And you've got that vertical menu on the left there where you can see all the different collections that you're involved with. And I I, I think it's it's brilliant. Um, and you know, not to mention all the the cool stuff you can scale through on that site like dc comics and you know xbox sega yeah. nintendo star wars lego hello yeah. kitty you know it, you name it exactly and even if you're not a collector that's why we think this thing can be so huge is because it's you know for nostalgic purposes like people love looking at things that maybe aren't for sale anymore that they had as a kid that they never got growing up um and it's kind of like going down memory lane you know it's like a timeline of all the stuff that's been released over the years um, and it really shows you the evolution of the brands uh, that are featured on the site. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt when I was when I was scaling through some of that stuff. I hadn't heard some of those names in a while, and it was just kind of yeah. bringing a smile to my face. So, uh, yeah, maybe in the future, you know, I'm I'm into collecting music memorabilia and vinyls, and I know that you can get on you know Amazon or go to your local record shop and look for a vinyl, but it would be huge for me to be able to put my vinyl collection online somewhere so I could see it all in that beautiful grid, know what I have in a series or a set, and then other people could say, hey, you're missing this. Do you want this? There is nothing out there like that. Uh, so maybe in the future, as you guys keep growing, and I know you will, uh, you know, think about getting into that side of things too because I know there's a huge audience for it. Yeah, right now uh, we're mostly focused on brand-based collectibles. So, you know, the stuff like Star Wars or Marvel or DC, um, things like that. Uh, in the future, it will also include categories. So, you know, people, when it comes to something like vinyl records, you don't collect just a certain band usually. It's, you know, a genre. Um, so we will be adding that in the future. 
Um, but obviously, you know, we have to focus on one thing at a time. So right now we're going after the toys, uh, video games, those types of collectibles uh, that are you know pretty popular and small. And people often have, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of them. Yeah. And I was gazing on your LinkedIn profile there, and I think you probably had one of the best summaries I've ever read on the website. Uh, I, re I really loved it. Uh, but one of the lines on there, you know, you had this quote, I'm one of those people that thinks it's better to create a job than to find one. And yeah. I, I just love that, man. I just had to put that on the air because I think that's that's huge. And if everybody started to think like that, uh, there wouldn't be near as many people that were trapped in the corporate America you know, <laughs> trying to scrape their way out of something that they hate doing. And and also, you know, I don't want to read your entire summary because I figured you'll probably get into most of that with this interview. Uh, but it says you've been an entrepreneur since the age of 19. Uh, so what was it like, you know, starting then? What really triggered you to to reach out and, and start in the first place? Well, I started uh, building websites when I was in high school, uh, when I was about 15 years old. I think it was my sophomore year. Uh, and at the time, I just built them for like clubs and stuff like that. Um, but then when I went into college, I needed a way to pay tuition. So I figured, well, hey, I can build websites for people. And I started with just like other organizations on campus. Mm -hmm. um, but then I realized, hey, I could go to local businesses um, and it just built from there. And then in 2005, I started a company to do it rather than doing it freelance. And uh, we started doing bigger projects, not just websites, but like web-based applications, um, including some pretty large ones. Um, so that company though i realized that i didn't like doing client work that much um i agree with you there it, you know it's very restrictive um you know it's, it's good to help certain clients but some clients can be very demanding and uh, a lot of times they make decisions for their own project that aren't necessarily the best for the product or you know whatever it is that they want to be built uh, so it became uh, quite frustrating after a while and you know i always wanted to do something like complete set where it's you know consumer facing and i could basically make the decisions for better or worse about like the direction that it would go in. So I didn't really like decide, Oh, I want to be an entrepreneur and, and just, and start it. And this was before like all this craze where everyone wants to start a company and everything. Yeah. So I didn't really know there was like this term for it or anything. I just knew that I needed to make money and I figured, Hey, I know how to do this. It's going to be a lot more lucrative than me, you know, getting paid $8 an hour to work somewhere or whatever. Uh, you know, without a college degree, that's pretty much your option. Um, so that's when I started doing it and it just kind of built from there. You know, you learn as you go. Fantastic. Okay. So when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? I actually wanted to go into the military. Um, I wanted to be a pilot in the Air Force. Uh, so I uh, was in junior ROTC in my high school for four years, as well as Civil Air Patrol, which is like the auxiliary of the Air Force. Mm -hmm. um, and I applied when I was like a junior to go to the Air Force Academy, as well as West Point, all the military academies, basically. Um, and I was accepted to several of them, had several hundred thousand dollars in scholarships. But then I was medically disqualified. So they said, oh, you can't come because, you know, they just they declined me, basically, which they can do for all different types of reasons. Yeah. Vision, you know, uh, like in my case, it was some benign kidney condition. Doesn't affect my health. Here I am alive and well today, 10 years later. Um, but they wouldn't let me go. So as a result, I had all my scholarships revoked and had to, like, start all over, essentially, when I was 18. Oh, wow. um, and I 
at the time, you know, I wanted to be in the military from the time I was probably like 10 years old or so, right around when I started collecting the Star Wars stuff. Um, it was like a lifelong thing for some reason. And no, no one in my family is in the military. That's just like what I wanted to do. And similar to being an entrepreneur, it's like something that is uh, really bigger than just going to a job, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of sacrifices you have to make, uh, obviously. And, and I understood that, um, but I wanted to do it anyway. And uh, then, you know, I couldn't go. So that is uh, what I originally envisioned myself doing um, for a long period of time. And I actually, you know, took some flight lessons and, and stuff like that. Cool. Well, with complete set in mind, uh, what do you think your ultimate long-term goal would be with the company? Well, I don't think it's something where it's like we're going to have an IPO or something like that. Um, but I, I could totally see this being something that's being used around the world. I mean, it already is. Um, yeah. You know, collecting is not something that's just like an American invention. It's really it has a worldwide appeal. I mean, already we have people from 31 different countries using it, and that's without advertising so it's just like people coming up on the site from search results and stuff like that and ultimately we really want it to be the place people go when they want to find something that's no longer in stores that they can't find anywhere else and that they don't want to spend the time searching for at thrift shops or you know on ebay they go to our site tell us what they want we tell them where they can buy it it's really that simple it, it, that's that's awesome, and it, it just shows how powerful the internet can be. I mean, thirty-one countries without even doing yeah. any advertising—that's it, extremely inspiring. So, yeah. anybody out there that's listening, you come up with an idea that's not really out there and test the waters a little bit, you'd be surprised uh, what kind of boats are going to become sailing down that that river. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, and you know the people that are coming from uh, you know. Places in Europe, um, we have users in the Philippines, Australia, places we've never even been before, don't even speak English, you know, they're uh, yeah. using the site. And that's another reason why it's that visual layout like that is because it requires less, you know, um, obviously localization. Like we don't need to convert it into all these different languages because you can just look at the item and know like, yes, I have that Sega game or that console or that comic book. Yeah, yeah, great. So what habits have you developed to stay focused uh, on getting to that goal of being throughout the world and having all of these users and continuing to grow? Uh, well, a big thing that I do is I, you know, make a lot of lists. It sounds cliche, but I, you know, make like a to-do list at least maybe once a week, say like, this is what I need to get done. And I try to be realistic about it because obviously I could put a list that's, you know, 10 pages of things I want to do. Uh, but it's always about balancing the urgent with the important when you're an entrepreneur because there's like always a bunch of fires you have to put out, I feel like. Um, and that, I'd say that's one of them. I would say um, setting a schedule um, for myself, like, you know, I have like a limit. I don't try to like just stay up all night. Now, when I was younger, that's what I did. Like I would like work around the clock or whatever. But the problem is at a certain point, there was diminishing results from me being awake until three in the morning. Um, so by um, essentially saying, hey, I'm going to work from this hour to this hour, then I think that's a good habit, like having a routine, because if you don't have that, then you just get worn out. Um, and then the other thing I'd say is um, just focus, like not when you're an entrepreneur, you have all these different ideas, right? Like things you want to do and things you want to accomplish. But it's very important to figure out what you want to do and then execute just on that. 
Like, don't constantly try to deviate and take all these forks in the road uh, because there's all these opportunities and it's okay to say no. And I think that's um, an important skill, like being able to tell people, like, no, we're not going to do that. You know, being able to tell a user, like, yeah, that's a good idea, but we can't incorporate every single feature to every single personal request because then it becomes very bloated and unfocused. Yeah, you really have to drill into the niche. And have you ever heard uh, what focus stands for to John Lee Dumas? Are you familiar with him? No, I'm not. He he runs the Entrepreneur Now or Entrepreneur on Fire podcast. It's it's a huge podcast, but he always talks about focus and it's follow one course until success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I mean that's pretty much. I try to make that a habit. You know, yeah, a good one um, because I, you know in the past I would start on something and it's like well I didn't get finished then you know and I realized over time like I just have to channel all my energy, all my effort and time into one, maybe two things, you know, but that's it. And when you try to like multitask and run all these different things, it just doesn't work out. Yeah, that's that's really one huge thing that was never taught to anybody in schools. You know, if they had a class on how to develop habits and how to break bad habits, think about how important that would have been uh, to anybody going through. And, and I used to do the same thing, stay up all night, start projects, drop them, go back to them a year later. Yeah. And, and it was just the most frustrating thing ever. And and it wasn't until probably about two months ago when I, I decided to change the whole, you know, way that I do things. And I started getting up at about four o'clock in the morning. And from four to seven in the morning, I would make sure that I got all of those things done that I used to get done from about five to eight at night. So now when I get back to five o'clock at night, I have that three hour gap where I can do twice as many things as I did the day before. So, I mean, it's it's really changed my life, and it's all about just starting with those tiny little habits and uh, putting those in place. And I'm glad that, that you explained that because uh, it, it's exactly how I operate as well. Uh, well, do you mind talking about how you monetize your site at all for, for the listeners that might be out there uh, in a similar situation as you? Yeah, that's not a problem at all. Um... Well, there's several different ways. Obviously, like collecting is a hobby, but it's an expensive one. You have to spend money in order to do it. It's not something that you can do for free. Um, so as a result, there's a lot of different ways that something like Complete Set aimed at that market can be monetized. Uh, one of those is transaction fees. So when someone buys something on Complete Set, we get 5% of the transaction. So of course, on a you know, a $50 item, that's $2.50. Now, it doesn't seem like very much money, but when you add it up, you know, over hundreds or thousands of transactions, then it starts adding up. Uh, of course, we're not involved in the transaction at all, really. So we're just the platform upon which it's taking place. So there's not a lot of cost. It's not like we have to pack something, an order, and then ship it somewhere. Uh, the other way is affiliate marketing, um, which is a confusing thing to learn how to do. Um, but basically, sites like eBay, Amazon, uh, major marketplaces like that all have affiliate programs and they will pay you to refer them traffic. Now the traffic has to be what they call like quality traffic. In other words, it results in a sale. You can't just send a visitor to them and then expect to get a check in the mail. Uh, but the way it works is essentially if, if we know what somebody has and what they want, we can send a, them a link and then send them to um, appropriate site that has that item. So we're uniquely positioned to do that because we understand the purchase intent of the of the customers that we have on our site. Uh, and then also subscriptions. Uh, this is uh, something that our market is very familiar with. Uh, if you go on any collectibles blog, you're going to see 
ads or something that says sponsored by, you know, some toy company or some comic company. Uh, and that is something that is very common. So we're actually in the early stages of incorporating that into complete set where, you know, you'll be able to see like complete set is sponsored by, and then it'll have the, you know, the sponsor's name there and they would pay to do that. Oh, very, very cool. So now we're going to dive back into your creative sense a little bit, um, drill you with a couple questions, make you think a little bit. If you could spend one hour creating something with anybody from the past or present, who would it be and what would you create? One hour? Yeah, you can go a little bit longer if you want. I'm not sure. Um, I think it would be really cool to design, like be involved in the design process for uh, at Kenner, which is a company that made a lot of the Star Wars toys. Um, they actually did it here in Cincinnati, so it's kind of cool that we're starting. Oh, really? This. Yeah. Um, so they used to be based here, and uh, you know that process. There's actually a lot of former employees that are around this area still, and that involved a lot of creativity. I mean, they, the people had to essentially make toys that you know did all these different things. Um, for example, there's like a lizard type looking thing. It's called a dewback, and it's in Episode Four. Uh, it's on Tatooine, um, and they have like a little trap door where the figure you'd stick the legs in it, and that's how it looked like the guy was riding the, the thing, uh, the creature. Um, so it's like that's a really creative uh, process, you know, coming up with these little like tricks like that. And before yeah. Star Wars, toys really didn't work like that. Um, so it was it would be really interesting to be involved in that process, uh, you know, and those people. Uh, really changed the whole toy industry essentially because of how like things are marketed now where when a movie comes out if you go to Walmart target anywhere I mean, it's literally just you know littered with toys from these movies and that whole movie merchandising uh, Scheme was all come up with because of Star Wars and, and Kenner in particular and not just that and not just that uh, franchise on um, you have like Indiana Jones any of those big movies from like the 70s and 80s um, all really James Bond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think it'd be really cool to be involved in that. Um, I know nothing about toy molds and sculpting and all that, but really it is like a work of art because just like a statue, they had to mold a character that, you know, they had a photo of and turn it into an action figure that could stand up and hold a weapon and, and all that. Yeah, and Star Wars is definitely probably still, in my opinion, the most creative uh, movie series that was ever made so that close with lord of the rings both of them are pretty uh yeah pretty insane well we're getting close to the 30 minute mark uh, gary so i'm going to get into these closing questions but the first one is my favorite one of all and the answers are always fantastic uh, if you had to battle godzilla uh, how would you use your creativity or talents to defeat that big bastard I think I would uh, try to create some type of contraption that would not trap it, but trip the the thing because it's so top heavy. I mean, think about it. That thing fell over. It probably couldn't get back up again because it has those tiny, tiny front legs like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So um, I would think that that's what I would do. Kind of like uh, in Star Wars, actually, where they trip those, uh, you know, the walkers. Yeah. Yeah, well, touche. Uh, 
Do you have any favorite advice or any resources or tools that you use that contribute to your success that you would like to share with our listeners? I would say that um, the value of like finding the right people uh, for your project is pretty important. Not trying to do everything yourself. Um, that was something I learned over the years too. Uh, you know, thinking that oh, I can just learn how to do that and then I could do it myself. But unfortunately, there's only so many hours in a day, and you're never going to be a master of everything. Yeah. So it's pretty important to surround yourself with smart people that are motivated and share your vision for you know what you're trying to build, um, and then you know execute it with them. You know, as a team, you can't really do this stuff alone. It's it's too uh, difficult to do by yourself, in my opinion. Yeah, studying successful people and what they do could be the single most biggest, you know, benefit to anybody if they actually take the time to do it. Uh, it's yeah. huge. It really is huge, and it can increase your learning curve dramatically fast uh, because you know you, you're learning everything that they learned right off the bat, and you don't have to go through that experience that they went through. And it's just it's fantastic. Yeah, and something they all do is they seem to, you know, curate this collection of people essentially that, you know, they recruit and they bring them on board to do whatever tasks that they're an expert in. Um, and they really like someone in my position, you know, a co-founder, I'm more the, the CEO role for our company. Like that's going to be my role in the future, you know, to be able to find these people that are really good at what they do and, mm -hmm. you know, get them to see what our vision is for this and then you know, have them work with us. Are you all uh, employing people yet? Just curious. No, not yet. So there's are there two of you? Yes, that's correct. Right now we're raising money. Cool. So you see that probably in the, the near future. Yes. So hopefully this year, you know, we'll be hiring you know, three people or so, um, so that, you know, obviously we can spread the work and get more stuff done. Uh, we need like another programmer. We really need another designer because that's actually part of my role is, is design work, yeah. um, balancing both the design and, and the pitching and you know the business administration aspect of it is is pretty difficult. Um, and then uh, also a community manager, someone to uh, you know oversee our community and it's very much a community online uh, of collectors and to reach out to people online uh, that type of thing. So anybody out there listening who might be interested, uh, hit Gary up and, and maybe he'll have something for you in the future. Yep. Before we put this to an end, Gary, do you have a way that our listeners could get in contact with you if they need to? Yeah, our contact information is on the site. They can just go to completeset.com and uh, it's, there's a contact link there at the bottom. If they click that, they can send us an email right from the site and uh, you know we'll get it and then we respond to all messages. Very cool. And I know you're on Twitter because I followed you yesterday. Um, so we'll be in touch through that platform as well. Yes. Uh, a complete set is on everything. You know, the username is complete set on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. How hard was it to get that domain name? Just curious. Cause I would think that that would be a pretty popular one. Well, as you can imagine, it was squatted like most good domain names. Um, so we had to pay to get it and it, you know, it was, a lot of money, let's just say. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like a hundred grand or anything crazy, but I mean, still, it was more than I ever paid for a domain name. I can tell you that much. But yeah, um, you know, it was pretty important for 
what we're doing. I mean, you see some startups that use, like they add the word app to their name or something, or they use some weird name like .io. And some of those things are hip and they're cool and it allows you to have a website online. But, um, you know, people automatically assume, especially consumers, that the website is .com. So that was very important for us to be able to secure that name. And really, it's the perfect name for what we're doing. So that's why we wanted to go with it. And we had all the uh, social media stuff lined up. Uh, so it just didn't make sense to like, give up on it just because someone was selling it for some stupid amount of money. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, well, at least you got it locked down now and it's in the past. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, that was one of the first challenges that we faced. Uh, you know, People were trying to say, oh, maybe you should just change the name. Is it really worth paying, you know, $2,000, $3,000 or whatever, which I was able to negotiate these people and, and negotiate them down because I was just like, you know, we want to ready to buy now, basically. Um, so never pay sticker price for a domain name, basically. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for being on today, Gary. Uh, I really appreciate it. I know you brought a, a whole bunch of value to the listeners. So once again, thanks again for being the entrepreneur now. And always remember to keep it heady. That sounds professional. <laughs> that sounds hey. like something you hear on a radio. Thank you for listening to the Entrepreneur Now podcast. For all the show notes and more information, please visit artsynow.com. That's A-R-T-S-Y now.com. Thank you. The music for this podcast was provided by Shaky Feeling out of Ventura, California. For more information, please visit shakyfeeling.com. Keep it funky.